Okay, if you need a Bible this morning, which I'd encourage you to have one, please raise your hand. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers and the ushers will get that to you as well. Well, as you know, we're in the midst of a series called uh, Doubt in the Storm. And it's a series where we are learning to hang on for dear life, even when it seems that God doesn't care. And as I've been mentioning every week, this is a series where I've just kind of been inviting you into the storm that I'm currently going through in my life. And so I hope you don't get tired of me sharing some of my own personal kind of stories of what we're going through. Um, I don't want you to think that it's me trying to ask for your you know, pity or sympathy. I'm just sharing so that we can kind of learn together as we face each one of our own individual storms. So, um, and so far, we've talked about resting in the storm and learning what it means to rest in the middle of a raging storm while focused on the unseen reality of God and His kingdom. And last week, we talked about walking in the storm. And we focused on the story of Jesus and Peter, how they walked on the water together in the midst of this raging storm. And we talked about how the reality is is that you can never truly walk in the storm unless you're first truly resting in the storm. There is an order to that. And, and sometimes, you know, Jesus is going to call you to step out of your boat to walk with Him in the midst of the storm. And you had better have learned how to rest with Him first. Okay, So we can do, we can step out of our boat and walk in the storm just like Peter did. And that's what last week was focused on. And your homework this last week was to just read through that story up until the point where Peter walked on the water. And uh, to just kind of meditate on it, allow the Spirit of God to show you insights that you've maybe never seen before. And I tell you, and I asked you guys to email me what God showed you. And I tell you, I received just a ton of emails from you guys. It was so cool. It was great to get just feedback from all of you, what God showed you. And some of it was just such excellent insight. And so thank you. I even got an email from a high school student who was writing, I think, in his history class. You know, So he probably shouldn't have been doing that, but he, he did it. And it was just really neat to, to get all this feedback from that. So thank you for doing that. Well, this week, we're going to continue the story that we started last week, and the title of today's sermon is Sinking in the Storm. And I know that sounds a little morbid, but the reality is in this life, when we go through different storms, um, we're going to sink from time to time. And when we sink, we need to know what to do. And hopefully today, we can learn that from the remainder of the story of what Peter did. So let's to begin with, let's just read this whole story, and I understand that it might be missing one of the slides at the very end, but just, just, you can just listen to me. But it's found in Matthew chapter 14, and it starts at verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. He said, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? 
And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What an awesome story. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water toward Jesus. I mean, talk about an amazing thing. And you know, I, I just thought I would do this at the beginning. I want to ask you guys, how, how far do you think Jesus was from the boat that Peter would have had to walk? Any suggestions? What do you, when you read the story, we all imagine it in our mind's eye. What do you imagine? Anybody from this section? Raise your hand. Just tell me. All right. Anybody from this section? You think 30 feet? Okay, so that's about the width of this stage. Okay? Anybody else? Come on, guys. What do you think? You think 100 feet? Okay. Anybody else? 20 yards? Okay. Second service I had, somebody thought it was like four feet, like he was walking right by the boat like that. Um, anybody think that? No? Okay. You're above that. That's not, that's not, <laughs> you wouldn't think that. All right, now let me ask you this. Um, how far do you think Peter walked? You think it was 30 feet, so how far do you think Peter made it? Just, you think six feet? Okay. Somebody said 100 feet over here. How far do you think he made it? 10 feet? Okay. Anybody else? 50 feet? Halfway? You think he made halfway? Okay. This is up. The, the story doesn't tell us, but when we read it, we kind of imagine in our mind's eye. And uh, I, for one, I actually think I'm a little bit like you. I think that it was probably the distance of what this stage was, 15 yards, 34 feet, something like that. And the reason I think that is because you don't hear them yelling at each other. It's not like, hey, Jesus! You know, they're not shouting out. He, they're talking to each other. So there's somewhat of a distance where they can kind of speak. Okay? And as far as um, Peter walking, I think that he gets most of the way. And you're going to see why I think that in a little bit. But uh, regardless of what it is, I just think it's fun to kind of imagine it in our eyes. And Scripture, what Scripture does tell us is that Peter does walk on the water. Absolutely amazing. His faith is growing in amazing ways. Well, today, um, we continue on in that story. It says, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Peter is, is walking on the water towards Jesus. He's, he's walking in the storm. He has learned how to rest in the storm so as to now be able to walk in the storm. But as, as we all know, something happens. Or rather, he, he does something that immediately, instantly stops this amazing experience. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. Now let's just talk about that for a second. In the Greek, when you read it kind of in the Greek, it, it says that when he saw the powerful wind, okay? In other words, when he saw the strength and the power of the wind, he began to fear and he began to sink. Has anybody ever seen um, powerful wind at work? Anybody? A few of you? Okay. We live in the Midwest, so we kind of see that often from time to time. Um, I went to high school. All my years in high school were in Arizona, and in Arizona, they had things called dust devils. And sometimes in summer, you would look across, you know, in a 360, and there'd be about 20 to 30 dust devils going on at the same time in different locations. And what it is, is like a mini tornado that just picks up dust, and you can spot it from a long distance. And 
You know, me and my friends, we used to love them when they'd come by us because we'd try to run and get in the middle of them and be like, ah, you know, kind of shake you around. It was, it was just kind of fun. And uh, every once in a while, you'd see a big one come, and we'd be like, ooh, don't want to mess with that one. Because that, some of these suckers would come through, and they'd literally rip carports just right off of a house and send them flying. They were that powerful. Well, I don't know how powerful this wind is that Peter is facing, but it must be pretty bad because Peter begins to fear it. He begins to fear the wind. Now, I don't usually focus on Greek words all that much, uh, but for some reason I decided to do it in this verse. And I'm kind of glad I did because I think I stumbled onto something that might be important for us. In this verse, the Greek word for fear is phobios. Okay? Now, what's interesting is that that word, phobios, is not the root word for fear. The root word for fear is phobos. Okay? And phobos means to be alarmed or frightened. Phobios, on the other hand, means it does mean to be alarmed, but it has more to do with to be in awe or to revere. Okay? This is the same word that's used in Scripture when we're told to fear God. Okay? It is a fear that has to do with having so much respect and awe for something that you're terrified. Okay? When the Israelites gathered around Mount Sinai and he put kind of like this barrier between them and Mount Sinai, he says, I'm going to show up at this certain time. And God showed up on the mountain with clouds and lightning and fire and the mountain was chugging up and down and he began to speak. And it says that the Israelites cried out in fear. They fell to the ground. They're like, ah, oh my word, don't have him speak to us, Moses. It scares us. And that's, that was the fear that we're seeing right here in this word. It's phobios. It's, it's the same fear when angels would suddenly show up and they were filled with fear, like on the night Jesus was born. Okay, It's kind of like, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it's an intense intimidation. It's a deep reverence for something because of something's power. Okay, That's what this fear is. And so as I was thinking about this and wondering if this really helped me in learning anything more about the story, all of a sudden it kind of hit me that here Peter is walking on the water just fine. He's doing great. He is doing the impossible. He is, he is so focused on the unseen realm and so focused on God working that he doesn't care about the natural laws of this planet. He's walking on water. And the unseen kingdom of God is working with him to make it possible for him to walk on water. And it's awesome. However, at some point, Peter saw the wind. He saw. He looked at the power of the wind, and in a sense, he began to revere it. He was in awe of it. He was in awe of its strength and power, and he feared it. And when that happened, he began to sink. Now, what am I trying to get at here? Well, here's what I'm trying to say. At some point, while walking on the water, the strength and the power of the wind garnered more attention from Peter than the unseen kingdom of God. In other words, he showed more respect and more reverence and he was more in awe of this dangerous, powerful wind than he was of the unseen kingdom of God. He feared the wind more than he feared God. And he began to sink. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this. I was trying to look for an analogy. This may be a dumb analogy, but 
It's a little bit like this. Like, I'm going to show you some pictures here, and I want you just to yell out loud what you fear most, what you're more, you have more reverence for. Okay, put up the first picture. What do you have more reverence for? Shout it out loud. The lion, of course. How about this picture? The wolf. Now, look at those two pictures. They're both kind of in the same species, but we show more reverence and awe towards the wolf. Okay, it has more power. It's more, garners more of our attention. How about this one? Okay, obviously the snake. We, we, it garners more of our attention. We fear it more than we do the caterpillar. Now, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if you were, if you were standing in front of these things, what would you show more attention to? And we just answered the question for us. Well, it would be the lion. It would be the wolf. It would be the snake. Because here's the deal. What you most admire or respect or are in awe of or fear, that is what you will focus on. And as a follower of Christ, what you focus on is of the utmost importance because what consumes your mind will control your life. What consumes your mind controls your life. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what is it that consumes our mind? Is it in this time of the year? Is it football? Is it sports? Is it, is it work? Is it lust? Is it politics? Is it all the bad news that we're hearing going on all around us? Is it worry? Is it sadness? Is it pain? Because whatever consumes your mind controls your life. And you know, while studying the story, it kind of hit me that that's the problem with storms, isn't it? They consume our mind. They tend to consume our mind because all we focus on is how horrible it is. And it kind of hit me in my own storm how much Shauna's situation or Shauna's pain or Shauna's lack of being able to do anything or, or Shauna's sadness or Shauna's tears all of it, it hit me how much it consumes my mind. And in a very weird way, it has garnered more attention than my unseen God. In other words, I fear it more than I fear God. I fear how it's destroying my wife's life more than I fear God. And it consumes my mind. Therefore, it controls my what? My life. I live in fear. I live in sadness. I live in helplessness. I live in powerlessness. It controls me. And why? Because I'm more focused on that than my unseen God and His unseen kingdom at work around me. And like Peter, I'm sinking. And honestly, it kind of hit me that I've been sinking for a long time. Now, something else that kind of bothered me was how in the world could this have happened? I mean, Peter is walking on the, the water, and it's just going amazing. And, and when you're doing something like so miraculous, so amazing like that, you're walking on the water, seemingly it would seem like how could anything ever distract you from that? It would just be awesome. But somehow it did. It says that Peter saw the wind and began to fear it. Why? What? How in the world could wind distract Peter from such an amazing experience? And I got to thinking about wind. What does wind do? Howls, it blows. But what does it do to you physically? What can it do? Yeah, 
it can push you, it can hit you with the force and kind of make you lose step. It can knock you over. Okay, when I was a carpenter and we were sheeting the roof, we'd be carrying four by eight sheets up the roof and you'd, you'd walk up, you know, on one side and you'd go to hand the sheet off. But when you'd come up to the peak, the wind would hit me like, oh, you know, and like freak you out. And you'd instantly be thinking about the wind. Why? Because it hit you. It moved you. And, you know, I think that's what happened to Peter while he's walking. He's walking on water and experiencing this amazing time, and the wind hit him and physically, in a sense, jarred him out of focus. Enough so that he suddenly checked out of the unseen realm and focused on the seen realm and suddenly suddenly was like, oh my word, I am going to die. And you know, I got to thinking about life, how so often that happens. We'll be walking through life and we'll seemingly be doing pretty good. We're focused on, on God, we're focused on Jesus, we're focused on his kingdom at work around us, and, and we're doing well, and all of a sudden, something in our work will just go terrible. And it's like the wind smacks us, and we like whoosh, we leave Jesus and the unseen kingdom around, and we're focused on the physical world. Or we're walking along, and somebody says something mean, or somebody flips you off on the interstate, or somebody cuts you off. Instantly, you are out of the unseen realm, and you're focused on the physical realm. Here you are practicing the presence of God and things are going awesome and suddenly something smacks you and you lose your step and you are immediately focused on the seen world. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Happens to me every time I do the bills. It's true. I can be doing great and I'll do the bills. I'll come up to Sean and she's like, you did the bills, didn't you? You're like all ticked off. But you know, of anything, Shauna's pain has a way of smacking me back into the current physical world I live in and takes my eyes off of Jesus. And instantly, I start to sink. And you know, on, a, on kind of a side note here, what I've noticed is that when you're sinking, man, it sure is easy to pull everyone else down with you that's next to you. It's easy to do. It's a lot easier to reach out and grab the closest thing to you But here's the problem. When you do that, you'll end up pulling them into the water as well. And you'll cause them to sink. And sadly to say, I feel like I do that all the time with my family. I I might be having a good day, and I'm practicing his presence, and I'm experiencing the kingdom of God, and I'll walk in the door, and I'll see Shauna's pain, and instantly I get knocked out of focus, and I'm focusing on that, and it's just like, ah, and I begin to sink, and I walk into my son's bedroom, and it's a mess, and I grab him, and I pull him down into the water, and then my other son says, I pull him into the water, and then Shauna ticks me off, I grab her and pull him away, and we're all just sinking in the water because of me. And Shauna will often tell me, Luke, you're killing us. You know, you need to keep focusing on Jesus. And so I need to really learn from Peter in this story. I really do. And this is why the next part of the story is so important. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but when I read this story, I have never seen this before. Until Adam Andrus was speaking at a men's advance a couple years ago. And this is, this is what he shared. I'm going to read you the verse, and I want you to pay close attention see if you catch it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, we always seem to focus on how Peter sank in the storm, okay? He, he goes into the water. He gets all sopping wet. He is going down. And yes, that's true. 
But Peter does an amazing thing here. And can you tell me what that is? He cries out to Jesus. He cries out to Jesus. Now think about that. Think about how awesome this is. Because Jesus isn't standing on ground. He isn't in a lifeboat. He doesn't have floaties on. In the physical realm, as a human being, Jesus is about the last person you'd want to turn to for help because he isn't attached to anything physically stable. He's simply walking on water. And yet that is who Peter turns to. And why? Because he understands that while maybe Jesus isn't attached to anything physically stable, he is firmly attached to his unseen Father and his kingdom, and that is the safest place for Peter to be. And so he turns to him for help. Our unseen God and His unseen kingdom are the only things that can rescue us in our time of need. The only thing. And guys, I will admit, that is hard. That's hard for us to acknowledge that. Because as human beings that live in a physical world, we want to cling to anything physical. We want to hang on to something that we can touch and feel and wrap our arms around. And God and His kingdom are not physical. They are unseen. And so we must learn to reach out into the unseen and cling on to Jesus there. Because as I said, that's the only thing that can, rec- the only thing that can rescue us in our time of need. And Peter realizes that. Peter doesn't swim for the boat. He doesn't call out to his friends. No, he cries out to Jesus and says, Lord, save me. Peter does the absolute right thing. He suddenly sees how powerful Jesus is. And when he began to sink, he immediately cries out to the only one he knows who can save him. And you know, I never really saw that before until Adam pointed that out. When you sink, and guys, here's the truth, we're going to sink from time to time because of our lack of faith. But when you sink, we must immediately turn back to Jesus for our help. Stop floundering around in the water. Stop trying to swim yourself to shore. Stop trying to call out to other people to save you. No, only He can rescue us in our time of need. Not the thousands of other things that this world has to offer. Not alcohol, not drugs, not porn, not unhealthy relationships, not media, not entertainment. Nothing will. Running to sin and other distractions will only cause us to sink deeper and deeper. And we must realize that only God and His unseen kingdom are the only things that can rescue us in our time of need. So what does Jesus do? Let's keep reading. Immediately, Jesus reached out His hand and caught Him. Now, remember when I asked you how far you think Peter walked? This is why I think Peter walked most of the way to Jesus. Because all Jesus had to do was reach out his hand and grab him. It doesn't say Jesus did this amazing swan dive, dove underwater, and came up 50 yards over and grabbed Peter by the legs. No, he just reached out his hand and caught hold of Peter. And Peter didn't pull him down. He pulled Peter up. And that's what Jesus does. When we truly cry out to him, he will reach out and pull us up. Check out this picture my wife found. Maybe you've seen it before. She keeps this on her phone, and often she just looks at it and 
She feels like she's underwater. She's just grasped, trying to reach for his hand. And it, it is, it's a beautiful picture. But you know, something that stands out to me is that when Jesus pulls Peter up out of the water, tell me third service, does the storm suddenly stop? No. Not at all. No, Jesus pulls him up out of the water and the storm is still raging. The wind is still blowing. The waves are still crashing. And what I think is so cool about that is that, yes, Jesus rescues us. He's the only one who can rescue us and pull us up out of the water. But he doesn't pull us up out of the water into a storm-free scenario. No, often Jesus will pull us up out of the water to be able to continue to walk in the storm. And I've, I've learned that, I've had to learn that in this situation. In this situation with Shauna, I've been sinking. And when I've reached out to Jesus, he has pulled me back up. But when he's pulled me back up, the storm is still raging. It hasn't quit. And he just keeps asking me to walk with him in the midst of it. You see, Jesus often will not remove the storm. He will not calm the storm. He doesn't silence it. No, he allows it to keep raging because he wants to teach us how to rest in the middle of it and how to walk in the middle of it. And you know, that's what I'm trying to learn how to do. Sure, I would love for this storm to be over. And I know Shauna would be too, but it isn't. And so the only thing before us is to keep learning better how to walk with Jesus in the storm. And when I sink, and I do all the time, when I sink to cry out to Jesus and to Jesus only so he can pick me back up out of the water, stand me upright, and help me keep walking with him in the midst of the storm. And you know the thing I love about this is that Jesus was out there in the water with Peter. He isn't coaching from the boat. He isn't coaching from the shore. No, he's doing it with Peter. And I love that. You know, we've all, we've all had the coaches like that where, you know, there's some overweight coach who hasn't worked out in six years and he sits on his little stool and is like, give me 20 laps, you bunch of lazy little punks! You know, and you're running and we're looking at him like, man, what, what is his problem? He's so lazy. And then he's yelling at us. Well, you know what? That's not Jesus. He's not doing it from the shore, from a stool on the sideline. He's out there with you in the midst of it. And I don't know about you, but that means the world to me that he's with us. Now, I want to point out a couple things here. Sorry about my sleeves. Shauna told me this morning, she says, please don't roll up your sleeves. You don't, you don't know how to do it in the right way, and it looks stupid. So. But it's so hot up here, i got to do that. So, She picked out the clothes, so it's her fault if I had to do it. All right, I want to point out a couple things here as we wrap up the story. Um, just a couple observations that I thought were pretty cool. Notice what Jesus says to Peter. He says, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Now, I've always seen that as kind of a negative statement, kind of like Jesus was chastising him a bit. But I, I kind of lean away from that now because here's, what I, I, here's why I think that. I think we have kind of read in disgust into Jesus' voice, kind of like, oh, you of little faith. Peter, why did you doubt? You know, kind of like he's ticked. 
I don't think that's the case. I think it's more of Jesus just being disappointed for Peter's sake. Kind of like, Peter, why did you doubt, man? You were walking. You were walking. You have such little faith. You could have kept going. Almost like he was just like a coach coaching his player, like, you can do this, Peter. And you know something that stood out to me that I thought was really cool, and I want you to see it? Let's compare the story we looked at two weeks ago where Jesus was asleep in the boat and he calmed the storm, okay? Let's compare that story to this week's story, and let's see some things that are cool. Let me, let me show you. Last week, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now let's look at this week. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Look closely at that third service. Do you notice any difference? There's progress. The first week there's no faith. This week it's little faith. Peter is growing. Peter is progressing. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we? Are we growing? Are we progressing? Because there has to be growth in our life. We must grow in our faith if we intend to rest in the storm and walk in the storm on a continual basis. We don't just go through these storms for the heck of it, guys. We do it to grow. And we just can't sit around in our stagnant lives and not grow. We have to grow. Now notice something else here. Verse 32, it says, And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Tell me, when did the storm die down? When they got into the boat. And I can imagine Peter walking with Jesus, which by the way, I don't think they just, personally, I don't think they just walked straight back to the boat. I think Jesus walked around with Peter and gave him some coaching advice and eventually they got back in the boat and you know the storm's raging the whole time. They get in the boat and suddenly it just goes, stops. And I can imagine Peter going, seriously Jesus? (laughs) Now's when you calm the storm. But you know, what can we learn from that about storms in our life? Here's a few things that I just was pondering. First thing is this. I think that I truly believe that God uses storms to train us. Now, listen to me here. I want you to hear this. I do not think that every storm in our life, God has caused. God may not cause the storm. He may, but He may not. Some storms we ourselves have caused. Other storms, other people may have caused. And some storms, the enemy has caused. But regardless of what caused the storm, here's the reality. I really truthfully believe he will use that storm to train us. He'll use it in our lives. Now, not only that, God, I believe, often will not allow the storm to die off until we've learned what he's trying to teach us. I've mentioned this before. Short storms often do not produce character. And what he wants in us is character. He's focused on our hearts. He's preparing us for eternity. He's preparing us to rule and reign with him for the remainder of time. And he isn't just going to instantly calm the storm when we ask him to because he wants to train us and he is a great rabbi. So if those two things are true, then the third thing must be true. Therefore, running from your storm will profit you what? Nothing. 
We so often will try anything we can to get out of your storms. Trust me, I have tried that. I do it all the time. Anything. We want out. But our attitude must simply be to endure and to treat these storms as classrooms. Classrooms where Jesus is training us and molding us into the likeness of himself. He wants us to be like him. Amen? So what does that, and I love this word, what does that behoove us to do? It behooves us to learn from our storms. And you know what I think is so amazing about what God's trying to teach us in each one of our storms? And you may think, oh, look, this is so kindergarten that you would say this, but here's what I think. I think that God uses storms in our life to teach us not to focus on the storms of our life. I know that sounds silly, but think about it. It's true. God is constantly using storms in our life to teach us not to focus on the storms of our life, but rather to focus on Him and His unseen kingdom because that is a life of faith. The storm is simply the conduit by which He trains us. So the sooner we learn that, the better. The sooner we learn that, the sooner we can get into the boat and let the storm die off. That's what I think. Final observation. Check this out. Story we talked about two weeks ago. It says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This week's story, then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Notice any difference between the weeks? One week they don't know who he is. Second week they're saying you truly are the Son of God. All the disciples are progressing in their faith. They're growing. They now know who Jesus is. Now, it may seem insignificant, but it isn't. The disciples are growing in their knowledge of who Jesus is. Therefore, they're growing in faith because they know that Jesus is the Son of the living, unseen God. And God is working all around them. And Jesus is teaching them that. And they're growing bit by bit. They're progressing bit by bit. And Whitestone, we need to learn from that because we should be growing bit by bit and progressing bit by bit because we want to be men and women who live out lives of faith in the midst of the storm. Amen? Guys, here's your homework. And I know this homework may seem a little weird to you, but I hope you do enjoy it. Um, I feel like I've been mentioning in this whole sermon that sometimes we focus on the wind we focus on the waves. And we become so enthralled with that and so, so enamored with that that we start to fear that and we take our eyes off of Jesus. And what we need to learn to do is to fear God. Scripture is replete with verses that fear God. So here's what I want you to do for your homework. And like I said, it may be weird, but I want you to get out some night this week and I want you to lay out under the stars. So it's going to have to be a, a non-cloudy night. And look up at the great expanse of the sky. Look at the Milky Way. Look at the constellations. Look at, look at the stars that are billions and billions of miles away. And even the stars you can't see with the naked eye. And just see how big it is and how small you are. And then, allow the fact to just settle upon you that our God, our unseen God, spoke that into existence. He spoke it into existence. And let 
the hugeness and bigness of who God is settle down upon you, and I promise you if that happens, you will begin to fear God. And you'll be overwhelmed with how amazing He is and how huge He is. And when that happens, the things of this world become minute. They become nothing. So do that this week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for this story. People have been learning from this story for centuries. And so we thank You this morning that You did take Peter out of the boat and You walked with him and You coached him and You trained him. Because we're learning from it still today. I pray, God, that we would become people who take our eyes off the storms in our life and we focus on You. Even though You are not in the physical world we're at, You are in the unseen realm. May we learn to grab hold of You and walk with You and rest with You. In Jesus' name, Amen.